Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston and Wayne Shepard talk about the purpose of pain. Let's hear what they have to say. Mark, in your book, Parenting Teens in a Confusing Culture, here's what I've read. You say, when you stop rescuing your child and allowing him to experience the pain from his actions, it will cause him to think in new ways and learn from his mistakes. That's right. I mean, pain has an amazing way to move you away from your consequences. You know, let let me set this up a little bit, because the purpose of discipline of any teen or any child is to help them get to a place that they want to be and to keep them from a place that they don't want to be. It is all directed toward them. It is not wanting them to feel pain because there's justice in it. And and I just feel better when I spank them or I feel mm-hmm. better when I, I let them go through a hard time. So it's it, not about me. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm looking at them going, wow, you deserve this. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about the pain that comes from normal experiences in life. When a child flunks a class, when they are tardy and get into trouble, when they uh, have a particular action and they get a speeding ticket. You know, the way that we rescue our kids sometimes is by not allowing the consequences that are normal in their lifetime. We keep that from happening. So we might pay their speeding ticket, for instance. That's right. And so they feel no pain and they feel uh, no opportunity to learn that I shouldn't be speeding or that I have to learn to be a little bit more intentional about what I'm doing. I mean, it's like it's like looking at a parent whose child gets pulled over for texting while they're driving, you know, texting on their phone. And, and a parent says, well, you shouldn't have gotten a ticket for that. Everybody else does it. So they well, come up with their own excuse. They come up with their own excuse. But you've just invalidated the opportunity for a child to learn something that they will not learn any other way. Now, I don't want my kids to go through pain. And I'm going to say in the second breath, I want my kids to go through pain. I don't want them to suffer the consequences. But I'm going to say this in the second breath. (laughs) I want them to suffer the consequences. And as hard as it is, parents have to begin to realize that my role is not eliminating pain, but it's taking advantage of every opportunity to allow my child to be prepared to move to the next step. And my point is this, that if your child continues in the same inappropriate behavior, they will continue to do so until the pain from that behavior is greater than the pleasure that they receive from that action. Excellent point. I'm sure we'll come back to that here today. You know, I think there's an opportunity that we have as as parents to say, how much pain do I want my child to go through? Well, I want them to go through just enough so that they're honed in a special way. We all know that kids who go through difficult times are, are transformed by some of that pain. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we would all say this as well. Just because a child doesn't go through any pain in life, 20 years ago, we would say that would be a spoiled, rotten kid. You know, now how would you look at kids today? Well, the culture has spoiled them. The culture has moved them to a part of, of understanding of the way that life is supposed to be that is somewhat skewed from what it 
is supposed to be in our mindset as training of parents. Somewhere along the line, we've got to say, how do we move a child to be motivated to want to work? How do we say, you know what? I think you need to pay for car insurance. I think you need to pay for your cell phone. I think you need to do some of these things. And a child says, well, I can't find a job. I can't do that. Why do I need to do that? Nobody else needs to to do that. I mean, everybody else doesn't have this. Everybody else has this. I mean, parents have heard this over and over and over again. It is. And if you do that and respond to your child and say, okay, because everybody else is doing it, then you can do it. You have missed the opportunity to help your child grow in character and to develop some perseverance in their life that they say, you know what? I've learned the value of a good day's work. I've learned how to apply myself. I've learned how to take care of things. Now, I'm just not talking about raising money or or paying consequences for actions that you have. Perhaps it's not rescuing your child from everything. If your child is struggling in a class, you don't write the paper for them so that they pass the class. And I can tell you the number of kids where parents have done that. They have done their work for them. You are supposed to be preparing your child for the next step in life. Starts in grade school and we do their science projects for That's them. That's right. Well, you know, I mean, I was at a at a grade school event and we were walking around all these science projects and this one dad looks at me and he goes, he goes, which one did you do? You know, and, and every science project there was was done by the dads. Yeah. These kids didn't learn anything about science. And so I think that's the first opportunity. By the time they get in the seventh grade, you finally pick it up and you say, no, you do your own thing mm-hmm. and I'll be there for you. I'll help you. I'll, I'll do anything you want me to do, but I want you to assume the responsibility. And that's the key issue. A little older, a little wiser. That's right. Every parent knows that setting rules and consequences is one of the hardest parts of the job, but lots of parents make it harder than it has to be. Mark Gregston has helped parents all over the country, and now he's put what he's learned into the Developing Rules and Consequences workbook. In it, Mark walks parents through the process of putting together a plan for developing rules and consequences that generate results. In the Developing Rules and Consequences workbook, Mark talks about the importance of setting a small number of specific rules that change the whole atmosphere of your home. Communicating exactly what you want from your team will help you learn how to discourage inappropriate behavior and encourage better decision making. That means crafting rules with consequences that will make them think twice before they make a decision. The Developing Rules and Consequences workbook will show you how by helping you create a custom plan that works for your home. The hardest part of the job is about to get a little easier. Order the Developing Rules and Consequences workbook by visiting parentingteenresources.org. What I want everybody to do is to go home and take a permanent marker and write this on your refrigerator (laughs) or pick up a pen as you're driving down the road right now and write this on your dash. (laughs) Conflict is a precursor to change. Uh. And let me ask you the question. As you look at your family, do you see the need for change? Do you see some things that need to be different to help your child get to a better place and to keep them from going to a place that they don't want to end up? 
What that means is there may possibly be some conflict. Mom and dad, don't fear that. Don't run from the conflict, but embrace it as an opportunity to move your child to a better place. And it may be requiring them to do their own homework, to get out of bed on their own, to to pay that parking ticket or that speeding ticket to do their own report when they go to school, to suffer through some comments that they made, to struggle through some irresponsibility. There are some things that we need to let conflict happen in their life so it moves them to reevaluate their current pattern of thinking and see whether it's working for them. I mean, I would say this, their best thinking has got them where they are right now. Yeah, not very far. (laughs) So you need to have something that will change that thinking to move them in a different direction and not be afraid of it. If you have a question you'd like to send in, you can address that through our website, parentingtodaysteens.org. Let's take a couple of minutes to look at some of these today, as time permits. Our 19-year-old says she's depressed and wants help, but then refuses it. A boyfriend is trying to be her savior from us. She defies anything we say, and she will do the opposite. She lives at home. We've taken all we can away from her, and still she hates us for it. As she puts it, we are her problem. She needs to get to the root of her unhappiness, and we're willing to do whatever it takes to get her help. That's right. Boy, I mean, does that accentuate what we've been trying to say on the program you all got day? It, right. You know, until a child... Until a child's pain is greater than the pleasure they get from the mindset or the patterns that they are walking, they will not change. So right now what this young lady's doing is saying, Mom and Dad, this is your problem. It's not mine. I hate you. You know, you are causing me pain in my life. And so the first tendency is, well, let's just give her everything and make that pain go away. And I'm going, no, no, you're in a good spot. You're creating pain in her life. She's 19. You know what I would say? It's time to leave, hon. It's about time, huh? That's right. This is what it's going to look like in our home. But we love you. We care for you. We believe in God's best for you. We want God's best for you and desire something very good from you. But evidently, it's not working here. But the good thing about being 19 is that you can say, perhaps you need to now move to that next spot. Well, would that be painful for any family to yeah, say? Oh, boy. sure it would. Every family would have a tough time coming to that conclusion. But that's my point. Sometimes pain is needed to move a child away. If it's not changing at home, what makes you think that you continuing to do the same thing will move your child any different? I met with a family last week that told me that our daughter's been grounded for two years. And I went, well, if it hasn't worked in two years, what makes you think that the same pattern of consequence is going to change anything in the future. That's a parent's stubbornness, isn't it? That's right. It won't. But I think a parent's fear because they're fearful that it's going to cause more pain. Now, this is where grace comes in. You've got to give them some things, demand some responsibility, and hopefully allow God to work in their life in a greater way than he has ever worked before. Here's another note from a listener who says, our 17-year-old daughter took an overdose of pills four weeks ago. We believe this was a cry for help, not an actual suicide attempt. Since that time, she was in an inpatient facility for a week where she was diagnosed with major depression and anxiety. She's now in outpatient care. We're finding out that there have been some other destructive behaviors, lying, manipulation, smoking, experimenting with drugs a few times, sexual activity, and cutting. She's constantly seeking attention, whether positive or negative. We've not seen much improvement, if any, these past few weeks. We need some guidance on what to do next. Oh, I know. And this is one of the most painful situations for a family, that you that you start to look at things and say, this is a mess. 
But as you uncover things, you find out there's more of a mess and your child's been a little deceitful to you. You know, I don't know whether this was a cry for attention or a suicide attempt. Um, that's, that's hard to tell from an email. I don't know whether she truly has major depression or anxiety, but something is pushing her to this point. I think it's a time for mom and dad to sit down and say, we need to have some good discussions about what's going on. And and the first thing that parents are going to have to do is build that relationship with their child to say, how do I move toward my child relationally so that I can help them through their pain? Now, here's the point. This is not the time when a child is anxious, depressed, been in an inpatient facility, is going through these struggles. This is not the time to kick her out of the house. Mm. This is not the time to disengage. So parents, you hear me saying all the time, your child is in pain and that's something good. Well, this is not the time to add more pain to it because if she is, you know, overly depressed, if she has major depression and anxiety, you may push her could, could over the edge. Right over, right. And you don't want to do that. So what you want to do is make sure that the, the relationship is intact and start moving toward her, but at the same time asking things from her and saying that we're not going to allow these things anymore. And from the sounds of it, she needs to, to grab an understanding that all my behaviors have gotten me to this point, which is the message that this... What you're doing is not getting you to where you want to be. Mm. Sweetheart, your best thinking has gotten you here. Maybe that's the bottom line on today's program. Your best thinking is what's gotten you here. (laughs) So maybe you need to change that thinking. Is that that the final word today? It is. You know, the bottom line that your thinking has got you where you are. And so pain may be the motivation to get you out, saturated with grace in such a way that allows a child a sense of hope in the midst of change. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.